Um, hi, good morning. I'm Tong. If you are a visitor, um, welcome. Um, and then we're going to start with the first announcement. So small group Sunday. So um, most of us are in the small group. If you're not in it, um, please talk to the neighbors. Um, they probably can find you a group to join. Um, basically, next week, we will not meet here. Um, instead, we do something um, different, like a worship activity. And um, you should contact, buy or contact the, your small group leader to find out where do they meet next week. So don't come here. There will be nobody here. So just empty building. Okay. Um, next is All Church Ice Cream Social. So basically, this is um, a chance for... Um, you guys to go connect with um, other family of churches. Um, if you don't know, we are family of churches. We have Wiley Church and Garland Northeast Church, and also I think we have Arlington Church now. So it's a chance to meet and greet um, other members. Um, they are family members after all. So that is at 6.30 tonight in Garland, and there will be ice cream, and they homemade, and they're delicious. All right, lastly, we have Focus Family Fuel Fundraiser. Um, you know what Family Fuel is, so basically they pit um, family against each other. So the way this works is you will buy a ticket, and that will give you a chance, essentially, to um, be drawn for you to compete in the Focus Family Fuel. So, um, you know, instead of two families fight against each other, we just fight among ourselves. How fun is that? <laughs> so... Um, that's July 20th at uh, 7 p.m., and that's cost $10. You get two chances, and you can buy additional chance for $2.50. All right, so, um, and I'm going to pray for offering. Um, the basket will start from here, and it will go across, and if you sit by the end of both sides, you will pass it back, okay? All right, dear Lord, um, thank you for today, and just thank you that, you allow us to be together this morning. Uh, I pray that you will bless this um, offering and ability to give. And I just pray that your spirit will speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this previous week, Devin and I uh, volunteered at the Monsignor King Outreach Center, uh, which is essentially a, a homeless shelter. Uh, but we did like the breakfast. We helped them with breakfast, uh, gave them like cereal and uh it was really a great opportunity uh, just to love them. Uh, but one of the things we noticed um, and we asked about if we can help donate uh, like fresh fruits and um, juice like in the morning because a lot of things they had were just like sweets and stuff they can take out like throughout their day. Um, so Devin and I were thinking that uh, it would be a great opportunity for us uh, to love uh, and serve them even though we don't have necessarily um, have the time to go volunteer there. Uh, so if you get in contact with myself or Devin Raritan, I don't know where he is, um, but yeah, you can... Give us um, the fruits because uh, we'll be going there next Tuesday at 1 a.m. So if you can give it to us by next Monday, it'd be great. Good morning. My name is Leslie Rowe, and I am one of the co-pastors here at Denton North. And we're glad that you're with us this morning. Um, as I've looked around, I've seen a lot of people that are our guests this morning. And so I just want to say to our regular body, make sure that you meet them. Make sure that you find out how they came here and welcome them and uh, make them feel a part of our service this morning. 
We're just finishing up a series, a month-long series, on reflect, refreshing our relationship with God. And so we've been talking about how to do that through solitude and through community and through ministry. And today, I want to tie the Lord's Supper into that um, kind of circle there. But we have to start with solitude. We talked about that the first week. And just this idea of sitting with God and letting him tell us that we're loved by him, letting scripture speak of his love to us, and believing that we're loved by him is the anchor to anything else that we do. And guys, we get this backwards a lot. Um, We try and go out and we try and do things without letting God fill us up and assure us of his love, which gives us something to pour out into other people. And so we need to make sure that we get this right, that we start with spending time with him and listening to him. And see, then when we get that right, that creates a fellowship. It creates a community of people that we live out the mission with. And when we believe that God loves us, we want to be with other people that believe the same thing. We want to be with other people that are trying to live that out in their lives. And we remind each other that God loves us. We show each other God's love through the way that we love each other. And then we can't keep it to ourselves. And so that overflows into ministry. When we're aware that we're beloved and with our friends around us, with whom we share that same uh, love and community, guys, there's nothing we can't do. There's nothing we can't do. And it allows us to go in the world and touch people and to speak with them and make them aware that they too are loved by God. And the train also speaks of God's love to us. (laughs) The more we know how deeply we're loved, the more we see how deeply our brothers and sisters in the human family are loved. And some of you may have seen on Facebook this week where John Von Runnen posted uh, something that he read during communion at the Wiley North Church, but I want to share that with those of you that didn't see it. It's from a publication called The Word Among Us. And it just says this, Yes, Lord, I will bless you at all times, no matter what happens today. I will praise you and thank you because you are good and everything you do is good. As my day starts, I want to shout it out. You are good. You fill me with your love so that what you put in my heart flows out to the people around me. You satisfy me with your peace and joy. But that line, you fill me with your love so that what you put in my heart flows out to the people around me, is what really stuck out to me. It's the same as the lyric from Desert Song. I know that I'm filled to be emptied again. And I asked Troy to open us with that song on purpose this morning. So I want to encourage you as we've talked through those three different things to start wherever in that circle you need to start. If you need to know that God loves you, that he's your beloved, then start there with solitude and asking him to share that with you through prayer time and through time in the word. If you've done that, but you haven't made the connection with community, then start there. Start trying to get connected in community that will spur you on 
in sharing that love with others. And then if you've gotten into community, you feel like you know that God loves you, but you just haven't been able to take that step to reach out and share that with anybody. Start there, but start wherever it is you need to start. And I think that the Lord's Supper or communion is such a beautiful reminder of how solitude flows to community and flows to ministry. See, we have Christ's sacrifice that reminds us that we are his beloved. That's the solitude aspect of it. And then we have one loaf that speaks of our oneness that we have in Christ, and that's community. And we share that with one another in, communi- in, in communion, which is also community. But then we're to take that and share it with people outside of here, with other people, and that's ministry. And so the Lord's Supper really is a symbol of all of that. And so I want to spend some time looking at the word and looking at what communion and the Lord's Supper is really about. So the first thing I would say is that it's about remembering. It's kind of about that solitude thing that we are his loved, we are his beloved. And Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper during Passover, So I think it's important that we understand a little bit about Passover in order to understand the importance of communion. So I'm going to start by reading in Exodus 12. And you are welcome to look at that with me if you want to. And I'm going to read uh, from verses 1 through 28. I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm going to read from that passage. And it says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with the bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some of it is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And I'm going to skip down to verse 21. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door or your house of your house until morning. 
When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. It says that a lot when it talks about the Israelites, that they did exactly what the Lord told them to do. And I think that's a challenge for us as well. But I think what we see here in the Passover is that, number one, there was blood that saved them from being struck down. And Jesus' blood saves us from being condemned. And it allows us to be reconciled with God. And so we have that parallel there. But then the Passover was put into place so that they would not forget what God had done for them. And we see over and over and over in the Old Testament that we as people, as humans, are forgetful. God says over and over again, remember, don't forget. Remember, don't forget. And he institutes a lot of um, celebrations in order to help people remember. So it's not surprising that when Jesus entered introduced the Lord's Supper, it was during Passover, and it was to say, I am now the perfect lamb. I am the only sacrifice that you're going to need. And my blood, much like the blood put over the doorpost and the sides, is what will save you. And so he said, I want you to take the loaf, and I want you to take the, we use grape juice, he called it fruit of the vine, And I want you to use that to remember what I am doing for you. Because again, we forget. It also has this really cool parallel in Exodus where their children are saying, why are you doing this? What is this about? And they have this beautiful opportunity to explain to them what God has done for them. And the Lord's Supper should be the same, not just for children, but for other people that are with us when we take it and are like, why are you doing this? This is so weird. And we get the opportunity to tell them what it is we're remembering when we take that. We get the opportunity to remind one another what it is that we're doing. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. So this is recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Paul just kind of summarizes it here. And so that's why I chose this passage instead of one of those. Um, but I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians 11:23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So again, we see that even Jesus himself said, 
This is a remembrance. This is a reminder. And so my question to you this morning, and I want you to take a second to think about it and then share your answer with all of us. So if you have something to share, if you would just stand up where you are and say it really loud so that we can all hear. I want to know what things do you think it's important for us to remember when we come together to take communion together? What is it that it's important for us to remember? Because I think there's a lot involved in remembering that God loves us. So what are some of those specific things? Absolutely. What'd you say, Matthew? To be strong, that we have a call to be strong. Yeah, and it's the strength that Matthew was talking about. Like we need that strength that we get from the body and blood of Christ. Um, And so why would we want to stay away from that um, when we feel like we're not at our best? We need to run to that when we feel like we're not at our best. Like it's hard to even wrap our brains around what all is involved when we come together. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we struggle with quite a bit too is that we remember that Jesus died for our sins in the past And we remember that we're going to be with him and be made perfect in the future. But one of the things we've got to remember is that Jesus died for the now, too. That that he shed his blood for what we're going through here and now, not just for what we went through back then and what we're going through in the future. Okay, so first, it's to remember. Second... It's to bond us together. It's to unify us. It's much what Quinn was talking about. It's community. 1 Corinthians 10, 17 says, Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And I know that the way we do communion doesn't lend itself to that that symbolism very well. Like we don't have one loaf. We have a lot of different pieces, but they start out from the same loaf. And so... um, If I could figure out a way that we could do one loaf and still be sanitary, um, I would definitely be for that. Um, But just thinking in your mind that this came from one loaf, and that one loaf was Jesus, and he's who we unify around. And when I think about this, I think about when we do um, Guide to Decide with couples, a lot of the time we're meeting during mealtime, and so I'll cook and we'll sit at the table and eat together. And we tell our couples that there's something powerful and profoundly satisfying about sharing a meal together. It's one of my favorite memories from growing up is sitting at the table together and having a meal together. It's one of my favorite memories from having my boys at home is being able to sit and share a meal together. And it's still one of my favorite things when in the rare times that we can all get together now, that we all get to sit and have a meal together. Think about how often we do that in our society. How often do we meet with someone for lunch? Or how often do we meet with someone for breakfast? A lot of our time together is centered around meals. And I think that when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he was sitting at a table with 12 of his closest people. And I think that when God looks at us, he sees us, all of his children, sitting at a table together, unified around the body of Christ. And here's the thing. When we would sit and have a meal together, there was always room for one more. 
we always had plenty of space to invite more people into that community. And God's table is the same way. There's always room for more. And I think he gets a big smile on his face when he looks out over his table and sees all of his children and sees more and more and more being added to that. I have a young cousin that got married a couple of months ago. And at her wedding shower, my great aunt had put together a cookbook to give her. And she wrote this inscription in the cookbook. Eating together, breaking bread together, is one of the oldest fundamentally unifying of human experiences. If we neglect table fellowship with others, we will miss one of the wonderful ways God builds authentic community in the church and will sacrifice an opportunity to witness to the reality of his kingdom to the world. The Lord knew this when he instituted the Lord's Supper. At that time, they were together and they all ate and drank so that we would remember his death and resurrection. There's something unifying about sharing a meal together. And even though this is not a meal that we can have in place of lunch and it's going to keep us full for a long time, spiritually, it's going to keep us full for a long time. And that leads into my third point, that Jesus is the bread of life. I want you to think for a minute about bread and think about the description of bread. So like if I were going to describe bread, if I were going to list some adjectives about bread, I would say it is good. I would say it is satisfying. It's filling. It's sustaining. Um, I was talking with somebody the other day about how I don't serve bread with my meals. And a lot of that has to do with my um, calorie consciousness of it has a lot of calories in it. But my grandparents always had bread with their meal. And they did because they lived in a time that was a lot tougher economically. And bread would keep them filled up and it didn't cost as much as some other things did. And it was very satisfying and it stuck with them for a while. And so Jesus saying he was the bread of life is super important in that way. And so let's look at uh, John 6. I'm going to read 25 through 27, and then 35, and then 48 to 59. Yeah, just follow along. I'll tell you as we go. Where I'm going to start in chapter 6, verse 25. When they found, oh, first of all, let me preface this a little bit. So Jesus has fed the 5,000, and then he has uh, gone away with the disciples. And then this is um, kind of tagging on. There's some other things that happened in between there. And then this is kind of tagging on. The crowd is looking for him because he went away and they can't find him. And so in 25, they say, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they ask him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which is which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. I'm skipping down to verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then I'm skipping down to 48. 
I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. So I think that we see here that Jesus doesn't want to be just our physical provider. Like he told the people, you're just looking for me because I gave you bread to eat and and you needed something to eat. But he doesn't want to stop there. Jesus wants to give us everything that we need. Every good physical gift that Jesus gives us is meant to point us to the spiritual provision that we need. And so when he gives us bread, when he says that we're bread, he's saying, I'm going to fill you. I'm good. I'm sustaining. I'm satisfying. So the question I have for you is, do you value God's grace or would you rather have a comfortable life? Nice houses, nice cars, vacations, food, and friends. Which is more important to you? Because I think that's the question Jesus asks us. I think it's the question he was asking these people. Do you want just the physical things I can give you? Or do you want the spiritual things that I can give you? This morning as we gather to take this spiritual meal, we remember that we are loved by God. We are bonded together in community through Christ. And we acknowledge that Jesus is the bread of life that sustains us so that we can share that with others. And I want to give you one uh, last thought to ponder because this was so profound to me. Henry Nouwen in his book, Life of the Beloved, writes that being the beloved of God means that we are taken, blessed, broken, and then given to others, just like Jesus was. Just as Jesus was blessed, broken, and given to us, so we are to the world. It is at once a beautiful and terrible thing to claim about oneself. And then I ran across a freelance writer that was actually writing about this quote. Her name is Juliette Vedral. And she said this, and I think this is such a great um, visual. Perhaps the challenge of being the beloved is having the eyes to see that this life is about God and God's work in this world. Perhaps the challenge of being the beloved is having the eyes to see that this life is about God and God's work in this world. Right now, I feel that I'm in a place in my life where I would not have willingly gone. I am a single off of a recent perplexing breakup, 33-year-old, childless woman with a great job, but not in her vocation, far from home. 
All of these aspects of my life make me feel as though I am not beloved, as I would prefer to be married with children, living into a vocational calling and near my family. There is a powerful temptation to feel purposeless and cursed by God when looking at my life through the lens of a self-centered world that tells me I am cursed because I am alone and childless and not living my dream. And yet God's own son, who he proclaimed his beloved son, was like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. That's from Isaiah 53. In this upside down kingdom, belovedness looks broken. It looks low and impoverished without beauty or majesty. And that's quite a depressing image, right? Who would want to sign up for that? What I've learned is how, and I'm still quoting from her, what I've learned is how much farther I need to go in embracing all of God's love towards me, not just the warm, fuzzy parts, but the real life parts of being broken in front of people and letting them see God heal and restore. The real life parts of being broken in front of people and letting them see God heal and restore. See, I am beloved even when it doesn't feel like it. And though this process being made, and through this process being made more and more like Jesus, and like him, may I continue to be chosen, blessed, broken, and given to those who need to see the slow yet powerful work of God. And so as we take communion together this morning, I want you to think through and remember. What is it you need to remember this morning about Jesus and about his death and resurrection? I want you to feel the community that you're in. I want you to know that you're loved by your community as well as by your God, that you have something to offer to your community, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. And I want you to remember that Jesus is the bread of life, that as you take the Lord's Supper this morning, that you're being filled up so that you can go out and give that same life to other people by introducing them to him. So what we're going to do is I want you to just kind of think for the next few minutes about what the Lord's Supper means to you, about why it's important, and about what you could offer to our community as encouragement this morning. So we're going to sing a couple of songs, and then I'm going to give you one more opportunity to share with the group. And I just want you to share if you feel like God has given you something that would encourage our community as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper together. And then we're going to take communion, and then we're going to sing one more song and be done. Before we do that, I just want to make one announcement about next week. Um, So again, no church here. If you don't know what small group you need to go to next week, come see me after church, and I'll help you figure that out. But they're listed on Facebook, the names of the leaders, phone numbers, addresses, and you're welcome just to pick one of those and go to it if you've not been to one before. Um, But if you need help with that, again, come and ask me. But for our small groups next Sunday, when we meet in small groups, I need you to do one thing to be prepared for that. I want you to come to that with an encouragement or a challenge as in specifically in relationship to how we are all trying to live out our faith. So like we're trying to live out our faith each week and sometimes that's really hard and discouraging, right? 
And sometimes it's really easy and goes really well. So what would you say to your brothers and sisters to encourage them in that? So come ready to share. It could be a scripture. It could be a poem. It could be a picture that you've drawn. It could be something you've read that you want to share. But come prepared to share. It could be a song. Come prepared to share something with your small group next week. Okay, uh, Troy, if y'all will come up and sing a couple of songs, and then I'll come back up and lead us in a time of sharing. And if anybody has something that they want to share, if you would come up here and speak into this microphone so that it would make it easy for everybody to hear. Um, But again, just anything um, that you think would encourage or challenge us as we get ready to go into the Lord's Supper. Good morning, everyone. Um, So I'm visiting. I moved away a number of years ago um, and have come back to visit. And one of like the biggest encouragements, I think, for this community is just how sweet it is, how special it is. Um, It's hard to describe how different this community, just this one individually and the network in general, is so unique and so different from the world. Um, So just how involved everyone is in each other's lives and really genuinely cares, not just the passing by of like, how's your day? Oh, good. Okay, you move on. Um, But really cares and has a genuine heart for God's people and really invests in that and really heats up that value. Um, So yeah, just how special this community is and how much that's grown from, what, four or five years ago when I was here to what it is now is just really unique and really special and so unlike the world in the best way possible. This is super weird. Okay. Um, So I won't get to share. I have a song in mind um, that I remembered. If you guys went to winter camp, it's called Remembrance. I think Hillsong wrote it. Um, But I don't know. Whenever I think about communion, I definitely think about this song. Um, The first lyrics, like the first like couple of verses, it says, I take the bread of life broken for all my sin. Your body crucified to make me whole again. It says, I will recall the cup, poured in sacrifice to trade this sinner's in for, you, for your new covenant. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a really good song, so you should definitely listen to it. definitely reminds me of just kind of living in remembrance for God. So, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, so something I was thinking about this past week is just kind of, um, as Leslie was talking about community, how that's a really big part of communion and just sharing this feast. Um, and I think a lot about, uh, not a lot of you know this, like Bekwele is not an American name. My parents are Nigerian immigrants. Um, and so a lot of stuff going on in Africa right now in Sudan with just a lot of massacres and things taking place that hit home, even though that's not necessarily the country I'm, I'm from because I was born and raised here. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot about taking on the, the, the burdens of, other people in other communities, even if they're not necessarily like Christian or whatever it may be. Because I think the call of Christ is to take the burdens of those that are facing injustice and making it your own. I'm not saying, oh, we should all sell our things and move to South Sudan. That's not going to happen. But I am saying, trying to find a way to be a part of like making a difference in communities that are disenfranchised and not represented very well, whether that's the homeless community in Denton or finding something to be a part of. Because I just realized more and more as we're talking about community communion, Jesus took the very like issues and things that were going on in other folks' lives as his own like daily. And so I think as a body, 
I think we should do that, which we do really well, which I'm not saying that we don't do. I'm just saying that's something as an encouragement. So, I think um, when I was thinking about this, we do communion every week, and so I think the way that we do it is really cool, but I don't know. I feel like what I'm struggling to remember in communion is that we're being filled up to take it elsewhere. And you guys, I mean, you can look at me and tell, I love food. I love breaking bread with people, like as much as anyone here. But um, being filled up, like I just want to, I feel like I'm being challenged in a way to say like, let's not get fat on communion. Let's not keep it for ourselves necessarily. But when we take it, remember that we're being refilled for the week or for however long to share that nourishment. So I think that's what's been challenging me about communion. (laughs) Uh, So something that I've been thinking about this morning is Jesus's suffering. And I feel like a lot of my friends um, throughout the few years, we've just been going through our own suffering. And I think that we tend to um, draw away from God during suffering. Like it's tempting to really just pull away. And I think remembering that Jesus suffered too should connect us to him during our suffering. And um, that's my encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think this theme of like remembrance is like really potent in my life right now. Um, Because I'm thinking about like the longevity of like discipleship and kind of like the sermon series we've been talking about at Summer Focus and stuff is just what that looks like after graduation and like going into adulthood and stuff. And so I think the thing about being a disciple and just like remembering God like all the time or I think that's kind of like unrealistic and sort of like whenever we forget like that invites us to like come back to God. And so I think just the concept of like being invited back all the time and like taking communion, um, I think is just really beautiful. But then also something that I was thinking about, um, faith in general and uh, just the longevity of that is like thinking about faith as like a saw that's gonna produce like years of labor, like years of hard work. Um, So yeah, that's something that just was encouraging to me and something I thought we could think about when taking communion. For me, when I think of communion, just this aspect of um, being together just didn't click with me for a really long time. Um, And usually when I take communion, I I usually think of like um, God redeeming me um, and really forgetting about the other people that are taking communion with me. And summertimes are usually difficult for college students because that's when they're out of routine, um, and it's really easy to gravitate towards the things that you're um, comfortable with, um, gravitating towards sin. And a lot of my friends have been like, bring out those things to me. And I was like, God, like, what is happening? You know, like, summer, like, people are excited for summer, um, good time. But then, like, whenever we're sharing about this, the communion the aspect of, being together reminded me like I'm together with them I'm suffering with them um, and they're getting to share those vulnerable parts with me 
And um, the best thing I could do is be together with them and um, hopefully and pray together that God um, forgives us and redeems us from, from the sins that we've committed. So yeah, just your encouragement and remembering that like, yeah, we're all in this together as much as sometimes we, we feel like we're by ourselves. So yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, if anyone knows me, I'll know that I just kind of have half a thought and I just kind of run with it. So, um, but I think that something that's really cool about communion is that we all kind of have different thoughts coming into it, especially being interdenominational and just, you know, different ideas as Christians. Some of us are mourning uh, the fact that Jesus died on a cross um, and, you know, just that he died for our sins. And some of us are celebrating that he's coming back. And then some of us just need a somber moment, you know. Um, and I think just remembering that we're all kind of in different places with that and being okay, you know, like while one person's celebrating, another person can be, you know, sad and it just really depends on where you're at. And I think it's really cool. Whenever I first came here and saw how we did communion, I thought it was sacrilegious. Um, <laughs> but it's not. And um, it's really cool that we can all just be really open about where we're at and just really talk about it. And yeah. Hi. Um, so when I think about uh, remembering, um, just the communion be the type that you're remembering, that thinking about Jesus' sacrifice and... I feel like, so here's my thoughts. So I think that the world just like requires to move at fast pace and react to things normally. And especially when things become so mundane that we do it every week, it's lose some meaning. This thing about work, a lot of time we go to work at just nine to five, next thing you know you're at home, next thing you know go to bed, next thing you know you reset your clock and you start all over again. And um I just think that remembrance thing is also important when we take communion. It's like, because we do every week, we should think about why we're doing it. But also, I think throughout the week as well as a way to remember what Christ do for us and just like take a small moment of sabbatical, um, you know, like five minutes to a day. So that's just a thought that I have. So kind of like Quincy said, I think a lot of times, especially for students, summer can really just like, throw a lot of things off. I know for me, like, just my relationship with God has felt pretty weird this summer just because everything kind of gets tweaked. Um, but a friend of mine said something recently that really just kind of, like, comforted me about that. And she said that, like, coming back to God is not building something back up that you've lost. It's just coming home. Um, so I just want to encourage you that, like, wherever you feel like you're at in your relationship with God or if just things feel kind of off right now, like taking communion, like Jesus welcomes us all right back into his arms no matter where we feel like we're at. Yeah, if you shared this morning, um, thanks for doing that. It's really meaningful to hear what you guys are learning and what you're thinking and the challenges that you have to offer to us. And it's really what the body is about. And so I would just encourage you this week to be thinking about what is it that you can share with your small group next week to do the same thing. If you haven't been with us before, when we take communion together, there's a basket of bread and you just take a piece and then dip it into the uh, grape juice in the cup. 
And um, I would encourage you this morning to uh, take your communion with somebody, uh, to talk with them um, for just a few minutes, give them some encouragement. Maybe it's just a hug. Maybe it's praying together. Um, And then come back and sit down and we'll sing another song and be done. So let me pray for us and we'll take communion. God, you're incredibly good to us. And I pray that as we take uh, the Lord's Supper together this morning, that you would remind us of what it is you want us to remember during this time. That you would remind us of the sacrifice that Jesus made to show us how much we're loved that you would remind us that that's not just for us, that that's for other people out there that still haven't found him and still don't know him. I pray that we would celebrate together this morning, that we would celebrate his resurrection and his um, love in our lives, his power in our lives, that we would celebrate our community together. And I just pray that this would be a meal that is pleasing to you, that you would look over the table and smile at your children that are all together loving you and loving one another, and that there's still room for more. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.